everyone. Uh, today's episode has a little trigger warning. We do speak about suicidal ideation and self-harm and PTSD. I talk with Rosie Waterland. And if you are struggling, uh, please give this podcast a miss. There's also resources in the show notes. And if you are struggling, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Listener Production. Today, this podcast is being recorded on Gadigal land. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this country and elders past, present. We extend our respect to any First Nations, Aboriginal, and Torres Strait Islander people joining us today. All right, let's start. Okay, everyone, I'm so excited. I'm waiting. I'm so excited. Okay, so um, I wanted to have um, this mysterious enigma of a, of a person on my podcast forever, but you know, both busy, both stressed. Oh, you know, um, just now, in the middle of a mental health crisis abyss. Yeah, I didn't want to say it. But it you stress. You even had to fill in for me at work. Well, it's twice, yeah, which I've twice. I've loved. And now that we're on the same network, we owe each other favours. Exactly. And Sam Kavanagh will get mad if we don't do it. Yeah. So now you're forced into a room with me. It's Yay. Amazing. Oh, it's Rosie Waterland, by the way. <laughs> oh. Yay. I'm so fucking excited to have you on the podcast. I've wanted you on, I mean, obviously forever because you were always a staunch Abby defender yes, I was, on Just the Gist back when it was just Bachelor recaps. Yeah, yeah. But also then I went and saw your live show. Remember it was like just after Bachelor had a live show at somewhere in Surrey Hills. Did I? Well, yeah, you did. And it was in like an auditorium. And I got – I actually on the plane down I was looking at like photos from like summer and there was a photo, a selfie of us. Uh, you did a oh live my God, show. I remember. What it was, was with, it? It was with my friend Jamila. Yes, yes. Yeah, because we're writing a book together called Broken Brains, which is all about like uh, she's had a brain tumour, so it's mm. all about like the physical illness she's been through and then I've had mental health stuff, so then like the mental stuff I've been through. And um, we started writing it back then mm. um, and so we yeah so we held that event to be like yay this book is coming it'll be out really soon mm. and then it's just taken us way longer than <laughs> well, yeah. so. you, you, you know I gave back my advance my book oh god I said like no I was like you know what guys I can earn more from half a year yeah. of podcasting and, and a I tour might, or whatever and a yeah tour, or I can just do a few Instagram posts and I, I say what I want to say every week yeah it's not easy it's not easy well okay let's not get easy oh god I see the things as well. I have read your Bachelor recaps. I've listened mm-hmm. to you talk about me. I've then gone to your live show. I've listened to, look, half of your podcast about your mum because I was in uh, yeah. I was in isolation and it got a bit heavy. bit heavy. So I, I was in the quarantine, hotel quarantine, and I went, uh, you know what? Yikes. Interesting. Yet. I'll come back to this. Then Rosie, Just the Gist came out and I was like, well, happy Rosie. Come yeah, it's much better. <laughs> and I Just the Gist every week. I talk about it all the time. I spoke about it. I can vouch for that. Yeah, <laughs> it comes up in the most random moments. You go, it's like on Just the Gist. Like yeah, because so, we teach you the most random things about everything. And every week on my radio show I have to do a fun fact and I always forget. Yeah. So then I just think about what I'll listen to in Just the Gist that week and I impress everyone and they all clap. Everyone goes, ha, we've got you this week. And I go, no, you haven't, baby. Um, but explain to everyone who you you are and what you do because for me I'm like I'm so ingrained in your content I yeah. think that I'm like and then this time you did this but <laughs> give us a rundown 
Well, who am I? I'm Rosie Waterland, <laughs> um, and I—I I guess I'm a comedian and writer, mm-hmm. performer, um, Your creative I, baby. Yeah, I mean, most people would say I built a profile back when I was doing Bachelor recaps at like the height of. Bachelor mania. And it also was before people really did recaps, right? Like, I, I would can't... say, yeah, I would say so. Like, back at the start, it was a thing that not, and like, because I started when it for the first mm. season, mm. which is like 10, ten years, years ago, ago now. Um, wow. And no mm. one was doing it like then, really. So you were a vanguard. Totally. A vanguard of Bachelor recaps. Yeah. I yeah. was on the frontier. I was like, yeah. yeah. And I did it for a few years um, and they got really massive. It was really crazy. And it was right when The Bachelor was really big. And I just kind of felt like I knew when I wanted to bow out, like I had a feeling it had hit a kind of peak and mm. it was going to start mm. sort of, you know. Oh God, you could feel it. I could just sense it. And oh also God, I was Oracle. like. Oracle. I just. Um, <laughs> so, totally. Oh Oracle about the important things. <laughs> about when At Bachelor ratings will decline. Yeah. At it, what point do you reckon it started to. Um, I would say For you. I stopped doing it in 2017 and the, uh, to be honest, the only reason just the gist recapped your season mm. is because Oracle I decided there'd be something big happening. Well, no, oh. I just knew it just the gist was always going to be just the gist, like what it is. But I knew kind of cynically that my most major audience amount comes from bachelor recaps Mm. and they would flip out if they knew I was gonna recap it again Mm. so I was like let's just do the first like 10 episodes as recaps to like try and get that audience well it worked it worked because it yeah it got us a major audience and then after we recapped it we were like okay so now you're with us here's this totally different show hooray you're stuck which is (laughs) and now you suck with us forever but I mean I mean it's it's a different show but equally I mean yeah Equally as good. I mean, I can't say better because I was getting praised every week by you, my uh, uh, totally. vagina perfume. Yeah. Um, but oh I remember God, I, forgot I, forgot I didn't. God, I write because some I used deranged to be nonsense. so sad at work and be crying that I'd just replay just the gist because you'd be nice to me. Everyone else would be going to cry. No, no well, because we, I mean, I was never, my recaps were never really nasty to anyone. No. Unless I would call out women who, or like, generally the men, the bachelors, for being dicks. And then I would call out women who in the mansion I thought were being, like, kind of awful. Yeah. But I was never really, like, personal or nasty or anything. No. But, it, I mean, just what was happening to you was just, like, get effed. It was. Like, get, also, you can swear it, in this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we <laughs> don't just usually just, don't ask. Get fucked. I, I know. Cut. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cut, burgers. Let it out. Let it out. Um, Let it out. Yeah, no, and so we just... It, I mean, I don't know. I just call it like I say it. But, um, yeah, but we did But you also weren't, like, sucking my dick. You were giving me shit for certain things, which was fun. I found it so funny. Yeah. That I was like, this is so nice. Like, you weren't being I like. I mean, I can't even remember. I think we, like, I think I joked about, you know, you just, like, being just sex on legs and all that yeah. kind of stuff and having that energy. And But, yeah, it was mainly, like, just having a go at whoever those I see. I can't even remember their names. So that says everything you need to know. Exactly. Like, now yeah. we're here in my <laughs> yeah. studio with fluffy pillows exactly, in front of us, man. drinking so. out of um, fancy glass so with little polka dots on it. Yeah. So, but so, but so, rewind. So <laughs> yeah, I started doing that. Started doing that. Bachelor and recaps, then, and yes. then I got a book deal. Not just because of like like a memoir deal. Not just because I was doing bachelor recaps, but because I had like an actual interesting story. Like I would never write a memoir at twenty seven if I hadn't. Yeah. 
lived a little. So I had like a really like quite traumatic, dysfunctional childhood. So my first memoir was mainly about that. And that did really well. And from there I got an agent and my agent said to me, what do you want to do? And I said like, write TV. Mm -hmm. So I started writing a lot for TV and started touring live shows, like comedy shows and another book. And now I just kind of do whatever comes along, I do it. It's a freelance. Yeah, man. Freelance queen. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about, this is one of the topics that, because I listened to the episode of Just the Gist where you spoke about why you'd been away mm-hmm. for Like the last months, six months. Six months. Yeah. And I've had the joy of, I mean, if you ever guys want like a live audience, I'll just sit there and laugh and clap. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking. Yes, please. I love me going. <laughs> But I'm like, I got to fill in twice. It was amazing. But everyone missed you. Like I, I missed yeah. listening to your commentary. But you gave, it was a, about an hour of what had been happening. Yeah. And um, you spoke about, you got this really amazing job, that, like a dream job, mm-hmm. I think, that you probably can't speak about. Yeah. But you got a job that you're really happy about. And how it's really fucking frustrating because it's what you've always wanted, but your brain won't let you, let you do it. Yeah. And I want to it was speak a screenplay. A screenplay. Commissioned to write a screenplay by a very famous person. Oh, oh. I'll tell you after. Tell me after. But, oh. you know, I don't even know where that project's at because I've just been so unwell that I well, yeah. couldn't follow through. I want to yeah. talk about that a little bit and the kind of juxtaposition in your brain of feeling – because you are very successful. Mm. You're a very successful person. Like people fucking love you. You're successful in all different ways, live shows, podcasting, writing, yeah. screenplay, in all these different ways. Yeah. But you have a challenging time with your brain, which is mm-hmm. what I heard about on in that, that live show. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? I don't know what my question is, but I just want to hear your thoughts on it. Sorry, yeah. Rosie, you no, figure out the question. Okay. <laughs> um, and you, you answer know, it. I've been thinking a lot about this too because I have had to take – time off recently and like I've just come back to work like the last sort of like this year really like the last month or so you know because of my childhood like my parents were both alcoholics drug addicts my mom like has a bunch of mental health issues my dad had schizophrenia like it was a really traumatic difficult time so I had PTSD by the time I was about 17 Mm. and that's just really affected me quite a lot over my, like, so from when I was 17 until I would say about 20, 24, 25-ish, I pretty much was stuck just trying to deal with mental health stuff, Mm -hmm. like what was happening to me, like just all this, dealing with all the effects of childhood trauma. So did you, sorry to interrupt, but did you get diagnosed at 17 and how did you know that? I uh, started having panic attacks and I didn't understand what they were. Yeah. I just started showing symptoms like I was having flashbacks. I didn't understand Mm -hmm. what they were. I was having like a lot of just uh, things would trigger me and trigger like a a physical, like a physiological response and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't understand what was going on. And like mentally I was just like my moods were up and down. Like just I was just any symptom of trauma, (laughs) I had it. And so um, my I was living with my uncle at the time who had taken guardianship of me when I was like, 14 Mm -hmm. and he sent me to a child psychiatrist who I still see today. So I've been seeing him for nearly 
I've been seeing him for 19 years. Wow. Oh. I must be his oldest. Um, a child. Yeah. Child's <laughs> oldest, like, patient. Yeah. I mean, you're like, hey, yeah. babe, coming with, like, a ciggy and a glass of wine. But like, it's for, like, party. there's, like, like Fisher-Price toys all in his office. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, what's up? It's me. <laughs> but is he the one who, um, this is another God tangent, sorry, but he's the one who, if you discounted or free when you couldn't afford it. He does, yeah, he's he he doesn't charge me now yeah. even. Yeah, like I moved out of my uncle's house and just couldn't afford to pay him because it was like crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think he knew that a huge part of my treatment was, um, and for any kid who's had childhood trauma, neglectful parents, whatever, it's to form a very strong, stable attachment with a secure adult. I think he knew that if he just like cut me off because I couldn't pay, it would just mess me up. So he said, just keep coming and we'll figure it out. And you can we can just clean up the toys as payment. Yeah. (laughs) And we've just you can organize a toy drawer. We've not really talked. Like then I just haven't paid. Mm. Which I feel so immensely outrageously lucky about like not like because it would have been very difficult for me to pay until you know the last few years really Mm. when I started making like proper money and um but also because he is just really good at what he does so I feel Mm. very lucky Mm -hmm. that I've had that because I know a lot of people have like my sisters for example who all went through the same if not worse than me haven't had that access because Mm. it's so hard in this country expensive like difficult to get in to get in it's like there's all these barriers and I very luckily dodge them all have him yeah yeah how amazing so you were 17 to 24 you had all these I would say it was really bad Mm. um but you know I managed like I went to drama school and then I went to uni but you know I wasn't in a great place and there was like a lot of self-harm and all that like Mm -hmm. trigger warning and Mm -hmm. like um all that stuff but then I sort of really pulled myself out of it and started to do really well. And then I got a job at um, Mamma Mia back in the mm-hmm, day. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started writing the recaps. And like, I was, I, I felt like the, the effects of childhood trauma, they're always with you, but I got to a place where I was managing them mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. And then my best friend, Tony died mm-hmm. in 2017, uh, 2016, sorry. And that was kind of a backwards lapse. Mm. Um, Cause he was like, not just my best friend. Like I would, I say to people, he was basically just my partner, but like, you know, not romantically. Yeah. Like we lived together for a, like a long time. We'd known each other since we were about 18. Like we, mm. and so his loss uh, was um, really difficult and triggering. And so I sort of struggled a bit for about, I'd say a year after that. Mm. And so then like from about 2018, I was like, I'm good. Like Mm. I'm back on, I'm feeling good. My career's in a good place. Like I'm feeling, I was back to just feeling like I was just managing Mm -hmm. my symptoms. And then COVID, man, just. Fucked. I think we're all still to certain degrees feeling COVID. I'm not sure we'll ever be back to our normal. It's like. Even I was talking to my some my friend is a sex therapist just about libido even mm, yeah mm. and she was like there's a huge drop on libido among a lot of clients are uh, now it's that you know men don't want to if if it's straight couples they they're not initiating sex and you know because we've been taught our whole lives that men only want to re- it's all yeah confusing. yeah she's like I think it's just everyone's fucked from everyone's COVID. just yeah everyone's still like my libido is nothing yeah I'm like, must have been like forty five minutes going I can't be bothered same like, but also like because of my but, which we'll get to, but also, like. <laughs> I, I told Rosie before we started, the list was literally like 
um, Caleb, Caleb. Her partner. Asshole. Because I asshole. usually write questions with Rosie. Like, I Not know that he's an asshole that no, we're going to talk about my asshole. Rosie's asshole. <laughs> so Caleb, as a human, Rosie's asshole. Um, <laughs> difficult brains. Yeah. And then the last, I can't find my phone, but it was something but... silly. Um, yeah, petunias but... or something. Petunias, Fucking hell. No, COVID, yeah. it was just, um, I think a lot of the strategies that I use to stay mentally well, like, uh, you know, coming into an office to work, like mm. um, making sure I am social because I can quite easily isolate. Like mm. there was just all these things, like having a routine, like all this stuff that just COVID was like, it just took it all yeah. away. And you moved as well. Yeah. Didn't you? And so that sort of was a bit like, whoa, I, I'm like that really messed up my whole sort of way I'd built my life to stay healthy. And then I did, I moved a couple of times. I moved to Adelaide to be with Caleb and then he got a job in Melbourne. So then I moved again from Adelaide to Melbourne and I thought I would be fine. But I think in hindsight, I'm like trying to piece together sort of now what triggered my last couple of years of mental ill health. But I think it was the moving because, you know, I moved like, I don't know, a hundred times as a kid. Like yeah. I went to like 20 schools. Like it was just... And where foster families, yeah, like some, and then family members, and just all over the place. Like wherever my mum had a boyfriend, she married a guy in oh, the navy, right. and we moved to Hawaii. I think because she just wanted a holiday, oh, and then really? we left six months later. Like, oh my god! And so, like, we moved. And so, the most people say when they're young and they're growing up, like, oh, oh, I just I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to travel. Like I can't wait to. And I'm like, I can't wait to stay in one can't place. Wait to have an apartment. Yeah, and, and, never, leave. It, yeah, and never leave. Yeah, a yeah. room that I don't have to constantly yeah. feel on edge about having to pack up. And yeah. And so I did that. I lived in Enmore in Sydney in this one place for like ten years with Tony. And and um, ten years in one place is a long time. For me, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the longest I've ever lived anywhere by a long shot. Yeah. By a long shot. Do you want to pour your thing? You like, Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> you have permission. I was trying Abby to was looking at me silently. holding a, ju- a jug of water and her silently. water bottle, like trying to do it trying really quietly. Listen as well, like, being like, I'm listening to your girl, trauma. Girl. You can do but, it. God, um, thank God. Sorry, the Dexies. I'm on the Dexies and my mouth is like a <laughs> no, fucking... No, I gotcha. It's like a desert. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so like it was, I think just the moving, I d- didn't anticipate that it was going to be quite triggering, mm. like... Trauma wise, PTSD wise, like scary just, when a trigger comes out of nowhere and you think I don't, and it takes a while to unpack why, oh, why I didn't, it was so yeah. upsetting. And you go, what, like I don't. This should be. It's you know, hard. I didn't yeah. understand at the time, and Caleb didn't understand at the time, which was really hard. But I just things didn't feel right. Didn't feel right. Didn't feel right. And I kept sort of trying to push through it, push through it. But it was obvious I wasn't super okay. I was really struggling to work. Can I ask like, what, like yeah? So what? What do you mean didn't feel right? Like you just weren't. Ex- I was really, yeah, yeah. I was, I think to be honest, a big part of PTSD is that your body goes into fight or flight mode Mm -hmm. over things like Mm -hmm. over perceived dangers or traumas or whatever. And I think my body just went into a sort of triggered by the moves and which just reminded me so much of like being a little kid and not having a steady ground beneath my feet and not knowing where I was going to live next and having boxes around me even like I think it put me into a state of fight or flight mode but it was like an extended one it was like for months and because that is too much pressure on the body too much pressure on your nervous system to like I think my body just shut down and so I just went into I, w- I wouldn't even call it a depression. I would call it just a like nothing, like a nothing, a total state, like 
extended period of dissociation, just Mm. not feeling anything, not feeling sad, but not feeling happy, struggling to work because my entire job relays uh, relies on like the creative output of my brain and I couldn't yeah it's not like you're an accountant we can still do go through the motion sorry yeah but (laughs) no I said to Caleb so many times like fuck I wish I was just back at my job at cotton on folding shirts because I could just do it at least like I couldn't do I, I couldn't work and and I was getting quite frightened because so much of my self-worth is tied up in my job and entertaining people. And that just started to really make me anxious that I was missing deadlines and and not being able to follow through on really important projects. That's the thing. Mm. Then when you miss a deadline or you you can't have a sick day because then Mm. everything just piles up. And then also once you, you feel as though, I mean, it isn't, it isn't true, but you feel as though if you pause or take some time for yourself, then all the opportunities will go away. And everyone mm-hmm. always tells you, yeah. make hay while the sun shines. Yeah. You're doing really well. <laughs> keep going, keep yeah. going, keep going. And you're like, I fucking can't. Yeah, yeah. So I, I ju- it just, it kept snowballing. Like it's, it started small and then just kept snowballing and snowballing and snowballing to the point where I, thought in Melbourne, I was like, I think I need to go to hospital, like inpatient um, psychiatric Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. clinic, which I did like once in the past, like in my early, earlier twenties when things were bad. And, you know, if you have private health insurance, they're good places to go. Like you um, usually go for about three or four weeks and they just check all your medication. They, you know, make sure you're in a sleeping routine you get up every day, things are taken care of, like meals, you go to group therapy all day, you have to go to the gym. Like it's just something that when you're in a bit of a hole, you can't pull yourself out of, it's not going to cure you, but it's going to sort of give you the scaffolding you need Mm. once you leave a few weeks later to, Mm. they've Mm. pulled you out of the hole and then you can sort of keep going. So it's, it's a very useful thing I find if you have the means to access it. And so I was like- Is it easy to do that? Was it easy? Was it an easy process to go into a place like that? Um, if you have, like, I pay a lot of private health insurance to make sure it's covered, yeah, like a very high premium. Well. Yeah. And and I've all, ever since my mid twenties, when I needed it, I was like, I'm always going to pay that just in case. Just, yeah. Like, hopefully I'll never end up back there, but just in case. Mm. But then finding a place, it's not super difficult. I found it difficult to find a good place in Melbourne. Yeah, because you spoke really on the podcast hard. Yeah. about find, going to a really fucked up place at Caleb to come and get you from. Yeah, after. like I went to, a, I tried a couple of really bad places in Melbourne that just weren't good. Mm. <laughs> um, Can I ask in what way? I, I don't uh, want to like, you don't want to like, talk shit about these places yeah but like and I don't want to people are like you should complain I'm like I don't want like just leave, right. yeah leave, uh, I can't even, just not help <laughs> I don't want the stress <laughs> yeah um, yeah it adds what you're yeah. gonna go to court to, yeah to like I'm not gonna yeah, no. whatever well I was just like they for example like I just said a huge part of it is the routine you get up at like seven breakfast is at 7 30 and then you you know, there's usually like yoga or something and then you've got group therapy from this time to this time and then like the two places I went to in Melbourne, they just like didn't, they would just be like, oh, you can do what you want. Like no one even really went to groups. Like some days I'd get up and I'd go and just no one was in group. They just didn't make you go. Like, and, and it's like, well, what is everyone doing here then? Like just sitting in their rooms, I guess, which is not helpful at all. Like basically with everyone in their rooms, which is actually against the rules. Cause 
in order to qualify for private health insurance to pay them for you to go there, they have to provide a certain amount of therapy every day that it's compulsory that you go to. Like good places that I've been to in Sydney, it's not negotiable. They come and get you up out of bed and they're Mm. like, you got to go to group. Like you just have to. So it just wasn't, they weren't good places and Mm. they were, one of them was the second floor of a nursing home. And so it basically just felt like we were in a nursing home also, also like it was just, so that didn't really help. But then I was like, but I've already take, I've already spent a month going to these two shitty places and that's a month. So I, I can't take any more time. I have to go back. I've got to do the podcast. I've got it. And, and so I went back, which I probably shouldn't have. Like Mm. I just pushed myself to go back Mm. to work. And then obviously, cause I hadn't really fixed anything or worked on anything, Mm it sort of all crashed again. Like last year was when everything really kind of crashed. And I um, went to, um, I flew up to Sydney to go to a place near my family, like my sister's, which was a really excellent, excellent place Mm. in Sydney. And then I sort of felt okay again, but then like just it, it's, I still wasn't quite there. And so then I, I went back for inpatient treatment again And that last time was like really helpful. And then I just decided, okay, I've got to approach this very differently because after Tony died and I had a lapse in my mental health, I tried to rush back in and it was a mistake. Mm. And then the last couple of years as I've been, the reason this I think has been drawn out for so long is because I keep pushing myself and I'll take a little bit of time because I'm worried about it and I don't mm. want to. And I'm like, and I'm mm-hmm. sort of just bandaid, like putting a bandaid on it. Yeah. But like, I'm, and then I jump back in and I'm like, you know what? I need to actually take a proper decent amount of time here. And so that's, that's what I did. I like got out of inpatient treatment and just said, I'm going to ease back in. I'm not going to rush. Like Caleb and I went on a holiday because like it had all been really hard for him as well. Mm. And um, then I just very slowly started trying to work again, which I have been, and, like, it just – I've just really eased back in. Mm. But, I mean, to answer, like, what I guess was your question – What was a um, statement? It was an observation that I made and then me going, explain. Yeah, like (laughs) – The question was explain. It feels like shit. Like, I have a lot of shame about all of it, about all of Mm. it. Um. About the missing work? Yeah, like first of all, it's so frustrating to me that I have this kind of arrested development in my life where I'm probably about 10 years behind where I think I could have been or Mm -hmm. hoped to be at this age because like the first basically 10 years of my adulthood was spent just like trying to get my, fix Mm -hmm. my mental health. And then when I finally fixed it, I was like, hooray. But I was also like basically... 18 when I was 28 Mm, because I mm -hmm. hadn't really got to progress the way like people without these issues Mm. would have. And so that has really frustrated me. And then the fact that it pops up again and I'm like, really? Like, Like where the fuck did you come from this time? Like Like I said, I've been seeing Steve and my psychiatrist since I was 17. And I remember joking to him, like, because of all the toys and stuff like am I your oldest patient? Like when I was 17, like, can you imagine if I'm here when I'm like 25, what a loser. And now I'm 36 and (laughs) And I'm still (laughs) seeing him. And I, you know, I've had so much shame and frustration. There's about 
about the last six months in particular. I mean, technically I've been unwell for about 18 months and I haven't been working as well as I could have been for about Mm. 18 months. So I've missed a lot of work. Really, I don't want to say dropped the ball, but was Mm. unable to do complete some jobs that were dream jobs. Like my whole life, all I've wanted to do is win an Oscar for screenwriting and this incredibly successful, generous woman came to me and said, would you write a screenplay for me? I will pay you to do it. And I was like, oh my God, it's my dream come true. It's like, it's getting handed to me on a platter. And then I, this mental health stuff came out and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Um, And that is like, people will often describe to you like what it was like to go through the mental health stuff they went through and like how it feels to be depressed or how it feels to be anxious and how awful all of that is. What I find a lot of people don't talk about is the shame attached to not being able to live life the way you think your body and brain should be. Like, Mm. why can't I just do this stuff, this easy stuff? Like, why can't I just work? Like, other people can do this. This is so like, I'm letting people down and I'm missing deadlines and I'm, I can't function properly. Like that's just, it's so, it's so much shame and like worthlessness attached to that. Especially because what we both do is public. So if you Mm. do, like you're not doing the podcast for six months, Mm -hmm. there's the opposite end of this where the fans under understand, let's mm. just understand, which is good, but it's also a public thing where you have to make a statement mm-hmm. publicly, whereas if you were an accountant, you would just tell your boss, you'd have leave, everyone would go, mm. where's, where has he gone? Oh, she's on sick leave. Okay, six months yeah. coming back. Whereas you have to kind of explain yourself and then you feel like you're letting tens of thousands of people down yeah. every week and you have to publicly admit Like when I, I messaged you when I cancelled my New Year's Eve show because mm. I listened to that podcast episode and I was like, Holy fuck, I'm starting to feel how Rosie's feeling. Mm. But a huge thing still, I was like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then a little bit in your head you go, oh, am I just being lazy or am I just not wanting to do my job so great Yeah, as well? I'm so happy to have this job. But then listen to your episode, I was like, no, like sometimes you need to fucking get over the the, – it's like a false obligation that you've made up in your head. It is. And it's also reality. I don't know. And it's – it's not easy to cancel those things or to have to postpone things in the short term, but it's certainly harder if you don't in the long term. Like it's, mm. it's, if you don't do that, if you don't do that slightly painful thing now, things will be really fucked up later. Like I, I, I mean, this is what I knew things were bad, like really bad when I was on tour with Jacob and I was in my hotel room in Perth and Perth had been a show that had literally been postponed so many times, Mm. first twice for two of my own like solo stand-up shows and then twice for like just the gist shows Mm -hmm. and we were finally there and I couldn't leave my hotel room. I just got this level of anxiety and like agoraphobia that I – and it was probably – two hours before showtime we were meant to meet up at the theatre for a tech run and Mm. I just messaged Jacob and I said, I can't 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 do it. it. I can't go on stage. I can't do it there's something wrong with me. I need, like, I need help. The Gisners are so great. They're so good. I never see any comments. We've, All of them are always like, yeah, we totally. love you, Rosie, support you. Yeah, like, no one my has. My fans have a go at me. Yeah, like, <laughs> bitches. They're like, are um, you serious? You can't. I'm like, oh, my God, I am serious. Yeah, like, they. Did, everyone was just so nice and there's not been a negative comment they're just so supportive and lovely. And, but I mean, the thing is, if I had just, 
really acknowledged in myself that I needed time and that I wasn't doing that great, I could have put things in place to start getting well and it wouldn't have reached the point where I had to cancel a show two hours before I went on stage. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, but I just, but sometimes when it's, as it's snowballing, you're not seeing it. Like it kind of did, it crashed in a way that I think it needed to, for me to be like, okay, I'm not good here. I'm not okay. Can I ask, I've been dying to ask this question. Have you heard about MDMA therapy getting legalized in Australia for PTSD? Would you consider. And psilocybin for. Um, depression. depression. Um, I mean, yeah, it's like, I'm interested in any kind of different treatment. Like there's stuff like EMDR and TMS and all these kinds of different things that EMDR is like this sort of. I have a session next week, actually. Do you? EMDR, yeah. Yeah, it's this thing with eye movement where you go over traumas and it kind of desensitizes your your brain. Wow. TMS is a thing that it's this thing that taps on your head. It like it taps on areas of your brain and it does well, something like it's like this little metal thing your, no like on the scalp, outside on it kind of feels like someone's just tapping on your head mm-hmm. but it's something it does something to like the deep brain something something. something i don't even I've, know i've done this tap therapy on your forehead because i had I'd, yeah. I'd stuffed my knee and this lady she did this tap therapy so she's tap tap tapping away on my forehead, and then she said, okay, now lean down on your knee. So I just had surgery. Yeah. Lean down on your knee, and I was like, I, I can't do that. So this is before the tap therapy. Then she did the tap therapy, and then afterwards I could go down an extra 50%. I yeah. cannot explain it, but it's, yeah, incredible. Well, it's just stuff, it's stuff like mm. that that we haven't really explored in, like, you know, the psychiatric world or mm. whatever. Like, And so stuff like MDMA, which they discovered decades ago was – helpful for stuff like this but then because of like anti-drug sentiments they yeah they weren't allowed to really study it and so we're like decades behind where we could have been on possible medications that could have really helped people Mm -hmm. and the fact that Australia's like agreed to do it tentatively like from I think July yeah it's really exciting I mean it's also hard because you it's still like you have to do it in a controlled setting and with a psychiatrist who's like approved and whatever, but it's such good news. Right? It's such good Australia news. Australia's the first to legalise yeah. it, legalize it as well. Yeah. What the hell? Why are we being progressive? Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? What's the ACT is What's progressive and yeah. everybody else is just looking at ACT going like, we kind of want to go there, but we can't. Yeah. yeah. ACT is like... Oz, like, what's it? Wait, what's that? It's Oz, isn't it? Wizard of Oz. Yeah, because politicians want to do drugs. Sorry, that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, <they do. laughs> well, I mean, but it's not obvious. You can't just go no, to no, your I'm doctor joking. and be like, prescribe me some caps. Let's go. Like, you got to, you, it's all controlled. It's very controlled. It's, very it's microdose. It's, yeah, it's a whole yeah, to do. I wanted to speak about the, 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 yeah, I like this conversation about the shame around, yeah, around work and how, like, how do you match up? Because I guess I'm asking for, for me because mm. I'm like when I have like I was fucked last week I told Lem like I was like like three full-on breakdowns where I was like catatonic on Tuesday mm. I couldn't, like, someone called me and I was like oh, I don't feel right yeah and then I was crying and then I was crying on the hill at Bondi lying on the hill and then I was like oh fuck I brought it's gonna photo of me crying Aww. so I ran crying and then this stupid flume song came on and I was like this is a stupid song sorry flume and I was like, this, I was like this is a stupid fucking song and then I ran to the fucking cliffs and then I was like but not in like a Bad way. Mm. In like a, there's just cliffs near my house. Yeah. And then and then I was like, oh my god, I, I'm scared I'm gonna fall off the cliffs. And I'm like, panicking. And then I was like, oh my god. And I just and then like for every I've had like moments where I've like been like screaming. It's hard to like match up the perception of you being so successful and also like being cra- 
practice gratitude. Yeah. About being successful and then also giving yourself a break. Yeah, yeah. Like a literal break but also giving being like kinder to yourself. So like that's and I've been thinking about it a lot since your podcast. Yeah. About how to do that and how you do that and how you recognise things. Well, I'm not like, very well, obviously. Yeah, so, I mean, but I know. <laughs> Don't but, do it very well. I guess like not what are your regrets, but like what do you wish you listen to? Because I'm like I'm having regular breakdowns and I'm like, mm. Well, that's probably not great. I'd listen to that. No, I'm kind of the same right now because yeah. all the stuff that got postponed or delayed or deadlines pushed back because I was taking time off. Now it's like, okay, that's due, thanks. Yeah, that's the nightmare. So that it I'm is. just trying to. When I got um, back after six, five weeks off when I cancelled that show, the first week was the worst week of my life. Like it was yeah. like, hey, urgently. And it's like, fuck. Well, I will say like one of the first <laughs> things I've tried to do is I'm trying to be realistic about what I can what I know I'll be able to manage and what I know will stress me out. Like I'm always the person who's like, yep, yep, totally. I'll get it to you. I'll get it done. I'll be there, whatever. And like, even in a meeting, I think maybe even Oscar, you were in the meeting and we were mm. scheduling just the gist stuff. And and we're sort of trying to record stories a couple of weeks ahead now, just so we've got a buffer. And there was going to be a couple of weeks where we needed to record like a few episodes in a week, which takes a lot of work. Mm. Lindsay was like, okay, so can we do that in the first week of Feb when you're back and and normally I would have just gone totally, yep. And I was like, actually, guys, um, I have a book due on the 28th of February. So if we could hold off recording those extra episodes mm. until March, I would really appreciate that. Mm. Just because I'm trying this new thing where I think ahead yes. <laughs> about what I'll be able to manage at the time. And like, and so that was quite a big deal for me to do that. Um, mm. So little things like that, I think. Um, Booking in time as well in your schedule, I think is a really good thing. Even if it's just half an hour in your day mm. to just go, no, no, that's that's when I'm not, that I'm totally not available for that mm. half hour or that yeah. hour. And being really strict with yourself to do that each day, just yeah. to, to help you get through and have that break. Yeah. All that kind of stuff is, you know, there's lots of strategies, which are much easier to, for me to keep up with now that COVID's over and lockdown's over. Like mm. I'm there's a re like I came in here today. I've been working in the office all day today just because I like to be in an office around people. It's important mm. for me. Get everyone coffees or coffee orders. Totally. Like, hey I'm guys. like, hey guys, <laughs> I'm here to annoy and interrupt yes. all of y'all. Um, doing five minute hand massages. Yeah. You're like, How's your day going? <laughs> totally. <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it's still, I still feel it's, the whole thing is embarrassing and like, it's I not hate, embarrassing, though I do understand I why know, I feel embarrassed. I know, like, because I brought up the shame with Jacob and he was like, but don't feel ashamed. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And I was like, I, I really appreciate that and I know, but I just feel like it's important to say, but you you still feel it and it's something you've got to work through yes. afterwards. Yeah. After, because I'm sort of over this hump now, mentally I'm feeling a lot better and like a lot healthier and I'm just feeling more and more myself every day, but I'm still dealing with like, oh my God, how embarrassing, like, especially when it happens more than once. I find that people are super cool with you being honest about your mental health. A, if you do it once it's over and you're like, I'm fine now, but I had yes. this dark patch. Yes. <laughs> they, I had, they, they want were, you to be dark fine weeks. now. Yeah. And then also it can only happen once if it's like, oh yeah, like I just in my mind was like, people are going to be thinking, oh, she's back in hospital again. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, yeah. again. Like once, okay, twice. Mm, but the third time I was like, this is so. Get it together. At least you had the asshole excuse after that. Yeah. You know, at <laughs> like, least you had the, the asshole moment. So all of that is, the, still, is, is still, I'm still working. We'll discuss in a, in a moment. I'm There's working through that stuff, but um. 
feeling really good. And listener was really amazing just in how generous they were with me having time off. Company girl. And pretty much. Company girl. Dear Sam Kavanagh. Dear and listener. Dave Cameron. So basically like <laughs> Sam Kavanagh told me to say yeah. that I was really happy. <laughs> yeah. with, no, we love you, Sam <laughs> Kavanagh. I hope you're really well. Genuinely though, Sam made it really clear, like, because when I needed to step away, it was very sudden. I just emailed my agent in a very dark place and said, I can't, I need time off. I can't, and I need, I'm literally going to step away from my computer right now and not look at it again. So you guys need to just sort everything out. Mm-hmm. Like I can't do this. And, you know, Sam and Grant like talked with Jen because there's contracts involved and, you know, you're not yeah. doing work that you have are being paid to do, like have been paid yeah, and, and all this stuff. Every yeah. Go, but, like, it's, like it's, it's this is, work and, and so. People are relying on you as well. You yeah. Like, there's you know, ads, it's all this kind of stuff. And, um. But they just were like, the most important thing is Rosie's health and mm. that Rosie gets well. So that she can get back and make us more money. Exactly. <laughs> so we can put it back on the treadmill. Get on. Come on. The sooner the better. Have a rest, have so a water and jump Sam back on. whipping me from behind. <laughs> but, Sam um, calling it better yet? No, kidding. Sam will ever do that. We I'm so Sam. cutting this and showing it. <laughs> no, text a team in a group chat with all of us so we can yeah. all see his reaction. We love you, Sam Kavanagh. We love you, Sam. But Sam was, they were all great. Like the way Jacob was willing to step up and, and all the co-hosts who stepped in mostly from the listener family, but then also some outside people. Like it was just listeners. It, it has been, I think, a really good example of a workplace who handled um, and supported an employee when they were going through a mental health crisis, mm-hmm. which I think it's just important to point out because you hear so many examples of when that goes really badly. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it went really well here. Yeah. Like And other projects too, like I have a TV show that I've been developing that should have been on air by now, but because of this time I've needed, like that's with, um, they have also been incredibly patient. Like mm. people have been um, really generous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even like Lem, when she can tell that I'm getting sick or tired, she will pre-plan things for me to do to make mm. my life easier. Love yeah. listener. That's and nice. I guess Oscar will help as well. Um, <laughs> no, but listener are too. really good at pre-planning. Yeah. But it doesn't help the shame and the embarrassment and the... Yeah, I think it's what you said before about people only being okay with you once you're better. Like mm. I have friends, like I had a really bad week last week. I've had friends text me being like, how are you feeling today? And I'm like, oh, still, it's still happening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, because I'm it's from too much work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and they're like, oh, how are you feeling today, darling? And I'm like, still not good. Yeah. Like, what do you, like I couldn't talk yesterday. Like I'm not like bouncing back being like everything is because I'm still working yeah. through it. And yeah. it's like oh, yeah, everything's fine two days later while well, I've still worked for 12 hours a day every day. Mm. It's very uncomfortable for people. And it's uncomfortable as well to tell people yeah. you're still not feeling good. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's people don't really know how to approach that stuff. I think people also, a lot of people think that it's your fault, like because it's not mm. a physical illness, it's totally. like you could like, – you could, you could do it just, if you really yeah, try. Like, you could just push yourself. It sounds like a stereotype now or a cliche where like people are like, just go for a walk and stuff. But some people do genuinely <laughs> think, think that. you should just go yeah, for a walk like and just, have a day and one day off. Yeah, like, like just. You know what, tomorrow mm, I'm coming for the recording. Yeah. And so it's like there are some people who are like that. I mean, that was the premise of when Jam and I decided to write our book was that when she got home from hospital after having surgery for her brain, there was like 11 frozen meals had been delivered by people to help. 
And like when I got home from the first time I was in inpatient care in hospital, like there's nothing, like no one, yeah. it's like it, it, people approach it very differently. Yeah. Even though what's crazy is we looked up the stats and the um, mortality rate for like people with PTSD attached to childhood trauma was actually higher than the mortality yeah. rate for her kind of tumour. Wow. And like, but they're not, they're not looked at in the same kind of way by most people. Yeah. And so it's, it's tricky because you don't, you don't know the, whoever's standing in front of you, you don't know where their attitude falls on that scale. Mm. Like if they totally get it or if they just think it's all a bit like just go mm. for a walk or some people, because it went on for so long and I like for, you know, about six months really, you're like, maybe they did get it, but now they're getting over it. Like yeah. maybe it was okay at first, but now I need more time. Like it's just you're you're constantly thinking and all this stuff. And you feel like you have to validate it because like, oh, something yeah. made me cry in Woolworths at Byron Bay when you – I was listening to the podcast yeah. that you did when you said that you feel like no one will believe you unless you hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's also the thing where unless it gets to the point where you, and you, you don't know when the mark is where you feel like you can take a step back because you think, well, I'm not at the point of hurting mm. myself yet so it isn't valid. Yeah, like because I've had like suicidal ideation and the compulsion to self-harm can be quite a big part of trauma mm. and I've dealt with that for a long time and I got to a point where like I understand when I get that ideation or those compulsions not, I understand not to do it. I understand mm. that it's just a symptom of the PTSD and yeah. not to listen to it. And so I remember when I texted Jacob from the hotel room in Perth, I said, I am at a point where my brain is telling me to hurt myself right now. Mm. I'm not going to, cause I, I know not to, mm. but that's, that's how deep and bad this is. And then when we had to cancel the show and, like, Andrew, our tour guy, was there because some people were already at the theatre, like, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't, like, like if I, like, you know, end up in hospital having tried to hurt myself or whatever, people would be like, oh, okay, well, that's, I get it. But it was just like, oh, she just was in her hotel room. Like, she didn't want to do it. And I was like, I yeah. you know, there's this pressure to be like, oh, it's not, it, and that's really awful. I mean, but even public hospitals I like that. Like the, there was a couple of times in the peak of my illness, like back in my early 20s, when I went to the emergency room and said, I feel suicidal and I'm really scared and I don't know what to do. Mm. And they make you prove that you have a plan. They're like, well, oh my what God. are you going to do? Yeah. And you have to describe it in detail, like what, what? you are planning. That's highly triggering. Um, like- but it's because they don't if they don't believe that it is yeah, serious, yeah. they won't admit you. Right, right. right. Um, and so you, a couple of times at the hospital, I was like, I'm going. I, and they're like, how? And I was like, well, I haven't really, you can barely talk. You're in such a bad mood. And you're like, I don't know. I, I, don't know, yeah. what, I, I just know that this is how I'm feeling. And they just, they'll, they'll send you home unless you prove to them. Yeah. Like. I, I went in 2017, I went to the Story Bridge to jump off mm. after a night out and I called, and you know how you drive past those lifeline signs and yeah, you go, yeah. no one's getting saved by that. Yeah. I called the lifeline no, signs. No, are. People so are. People yeah. are. Before then I was like, oh, you know, they, so I was like, oh, my better give them a call. Mm, <laughs> like I was yeah. like, and an ambulance came and then I got taken to the hospital and all that really happened was I sat, they didn't even have a bed for me. I just sat in a room, took mm-hmm. my shoes away from me because I was strap up shoes, mm-hmm. took my shoes away, took my phone away 
took everything away from me, my earrings. Mm. I was just in a going out mini skirt and singlet mm. in winter. And, well, not winter, it was getting warm, October. Not, it was cold. And I was just sitting there for overnight. They didn't give me a bed and they just said, yeah. Okay, you can go now. Yeah. And no one ever called me again. Yeah, no, they don't. No one got in contact yeah, with me. And don't. I then went – I'd gone to my GP a month before this and I begged him for a mental health plan mm. and he just gave me Valium. What? That's yeah. why. And, and I had Valium for the first time that night and then I drank I – drank, I, I don't drink much. Like I'm mm. not like a send it bitch and I drank like a flask of vodka, which for, which is a lot, but mm. also for me is, it was a lot, a lot. And with Valium as well. With Valium for the first time ever and I was 22. Um, and – yeah, I'd call, I'd gone to the bridge. I'd called the ambulance. I'd like done the thing. Mm. I'd gotten there, and because I hadn't actually done anything, yeah. I'd gotten there. And then even when I tell people about it, they most people go, "Oh my god, it sucked." But other people go, "Well, you didn't actually try, you didn't though, do did it. you?" Yeah, and it's you like, didn't well, do I, it. I tried as much as I could without yeah. doing it. I, I got to the three steps before, then I thought, "Better give Lifeline a call." Yeah, but yeah, they and then they sent me home, and they were like, "Oh, we'll um." We'll, this is so funny. They were like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get someone to call you. No one ever did. Mm. And then I organised an appointment with my GP the next week intending to get on antidepressants because I found an actual good GP, a different one, mm. really hot Scottish man. <laughs> and I went there and I walked in and I, and he was like, all right, so here for your STI results. And I was like, mm? so I'd had them done. I'd never oh. been sent, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, so you've got chlamydia. And this is four <laughs> days after me in the fucking And I was like. No. I'm here because I, I was going to end my life on Saturday night. But I guess like, I also have chlamydia. Yes. And, and, and he was like, and he was like, oh, and he was, he was oh, no. so lovely, that man. And he was like, oh, mm. my God. Because he was just, you know how doctors just like talk to He's like, yeah, right, so you've yeah. got chlamydia, darling. It's one pill. It's fine. Like, yeah. darling, you got one. And I was like, I, I'm here because I need to get a mental health plan. Oh, and no. I wasn't here for that. Mm. And that was my lunch break at work because I was still, but oh like, God. but yeah. like, so back to, the, there's not really any after support. No, there's not. Um, and then you do feel like you can't really uh, uh, tell anyone how bad it was for you because you haven't like, oh, you haven't actually done it. There's no, it's, it's nuts that it's like, they say like, don't go through with something like that. Don't go through with something like that. Don't go. And I will say right now, don't it re- like the compulsion to harm yourself in that way is coming from a brain that cannot handle the pain and the pressure mm-hmm. of the emotions that are got the brain, your body and brain just wants that pressure and pain to stop. Mm. It doesn't want everything to stop. Mm. Like that's what, that's what I always say to people, but yeah, it is, it's crazy that you have to basically move forward with that mm. for anyone in the public system, at least to take you seriously in an acute situation. Like you, this is why things like, are you okay day? I find really frustrating because oh, I'm God. like, I'm like, but you ask people if they're okay. And, and, and what if they say no, what then? Yeah. And what, what then give them a cupcake with yeah. the label on it? Yeah. Like, like where, where are the like resources then? Like what, like what is the point of asking if someone's okay, if we have nowhere to send them, no, no, yeah. nothing to do for them. No, like it's, go. it's a really dire situation. Yeah, it is dire. <laughs> it's, it's messed up. How long are we recording for? Five hours. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna, hour, okay, well, okay. Now that we've been talking about this for a long time, which I could talk to you probably for fucking, we could just stay here all night if you wanted to. I know. To. I mean, <laughs> but, but also like after. one, I will say one of the things that like frustrates me so much, not, this has been lovely though, oh, is that sorry, like, Rosie. is that like, oh God, like so, 
I hate that it's like one of my things is mental health. You're like, I wish well, it I wasn't. I didn't even mean to. I no, didn't no, no, even mean to. Like, I actually want to have a conversation about work. No, it's really nice. To, it's nice to talk to someone about it who gets it. But yeah. you're like, I'm just like, oh, God, I don't want that to be one. Of, oh, you're the she, ambassador for she's mental that, She's that girl who <laughs> went cuckoo for six months. Like, I, oh, I, Yeah. But it's also because I think still. because you speak about it so well as well. Yeah. It isn't because people see you as like. The, the circus freak, oh, she's crazy. It's oh, it's, it's like, it's like, it's, it's because I think even though you're, when you're going through it, you still have some sort of wisdom about it and some sort of introspection mm. to speak about it. And it helps people. Like I said, like it literally changed me not yeah, doing that show. Really you know nice what I mean? to hear, yeah. So I think it would change people in their everyday lives as well, not just me doing a silly live show. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I didn't, I purposely didn't want to come in and speak about your fucking mental health journey, but here we are. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's um, okay. But I think it does help people, um, yeah, be a bit gentler on themselves. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. You, you speak about it in a realistic way. Yeah. That, that isn't, I'm better now. Yeah. And I walked and I had people say to me, have you tried meditating? And I go, <laughs> I have fucking ADHD. <laughs> I, have a, I will have a fucking full. If I think about all the things I have to do, yeah. I will actually have a full blown mental breakdown. Yeah. I'm not. And, yeah. and when I say when everyone laughs, I go, no, no, no. I'll, I'll genuinely have a like when I also yeah. mental breakdown. Uh, you cry. No, no, no. I will not speak for two days. Yeah. There and go. Oh God, I have so much to do. But um, yeah, I think you speak. I just, I just thought people needed to hear all the fucking amazingness of your brain. And if you want to hear that, I will have more questions for you okay. before you go, bitch. Yeah. But if you want to hear more about that in particular and the uh, Rosie journey, listen to that episode. Um, what's called, it called? Um, on Just the Gist in our feed, it's called Where Rosie's Been. Yes. Yeah. It'll be in the show notes too. Yeah. It was amazing. And honestly, I was like, I'll give it a listen because I was like, I, I am curious. Well, we made it its own episode because we were like, People want to know and I'm happy to share with them because they've been such loyal listeners while I've been gone. But also not everyone wants to know. Mm. And so I'm not going to like take up half an episode talking about like I'll take up a whole one. Yeah, do a whole thing. So, yeah, yeah. A whole I the full one, thing. yeah. Because I was at my house and I was on my time off so I was bloody bored and I was like, just the juice has an episode, thank f- – oh, Rosie. And then I was like, oh, great, Rosie's back yeah. in this. But I was listening to it. It was um, one of the best episodes. Oh, thanks. So I loved hearing you really changed um, how I saw uh, work and everything. I just yeah. think you're amazing. But I have a few – before we go, people have been fucking hounding me about a few things. <laughs> Okay, the f- and it's meant to be longer conversations, but now we've spoken the whole time. I know. Oh my god! Chit- Sorry, guys. Oh my god! Chit chat, chit chat. Um, first one. How's your asshole? Oh god. Long story short, Rosie, <laughs> do you want me to try and summarize what I understand? Sure, I would love to hear how how another like a viewer or follower okay. interpreted it. So Rosie had her mental health crisis. Yeah. And then she was feeling a bit better. And then she started having all these stomach problems and uh-huh. she thought it was gastro. Uh-huh. And then you were like, it's fine. Then it was like five days of gastro or something. I was in the hospital for six days. Six days. And your sister, who was a nurse, who actually organised my vaccine for me. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Rihanna Angel. I've met you. Um, Angel. Um, she then uh, was like, oh, probably not ideal. And then you had all these tests done and then it turns out you'd um, – you had three asshole surgeries and yeah. then you found out that it was bad chicken? No. <laughs> or, you, or was it chicken before I'm the asshole? I'm going to summarise it. Basically, I, yes, I, had, um, I had gastro for five days, at which point Rhiannon was like, go to the hospital, Rosie. And they were like, this is something bad, your infection markers are whatever. Mm. They admitted me straight away. I was there for six days while they were trying to figure it out. And at the end they were like, Uh, it's just, it's a, and I was like thinking it's 
it's like the plague. It's something mm-hmm. really. I want. I'm patient zero. I'd be, yeah, I'd been. Yeah. In, I'd been sick for eleven days. Six of them in the hospital. I was mm-hmm. like, this better be some foreign, fucking mm-hmm. impressive yeah. thing. Yeah. And they were yeah. like, oh, okay, we've got the results. It's Campylobacter. And I was like, what's that? What is? Wow. It? What do you is mean it? to go to university? Yeah. Do you want to study me? <laughs> like, I'd been in my own episode of House. Yeah. This. And they were like, oh, it's basically just you ate some bad chicken. Mm. And I was like, what? are you mm. fucking? kidding me it was just bad chicken and so then a couple weeks later I my butt started really hurting when I was pooping and the constant like diarrhea I'd had during that Mm. had caused an anal fissure oh shit Um, what's an anal fissure it's like a cut on the inside of your anus so every time you and basically diarrhea is quite acidic and so it can that's how it causes it and um and so every time I pooped it's like you're pooing glass like it's just the most painful thing in the world so I had this fissure fissures generally go away after a couple weeks but I had it for six weeks it wouldn't go away and then it, I, it finally went away, but then it had, it had, it had caused an abscess, and then the abscess got infected, and then oh. I needed surgery, and then after the surgery, something else was infected, and it had turned into an anal fistula. Oh my god! Oh, anal <laughs> fistula, Abby. It's the same one that they, we talked about in the nightmare oh, the fuel. Sugar daddy. Yeah, I was. Gonna oh my like, god! The whole mass. I know. I've yeah. listened to that one. Yeah. I was. Gonna, I was like, I wonder if I should just do my butt for nightmare fuel. But um, <laughs> yeah, and so then it turned into a fistula. So then I had to get two. I had two two more emergency surgeries. So literally within like four weeks, I had three emergency asshole <laughs> surgeries. Oh my god! <laughs> Which I just it is, was at like, least, at least it's good content though. It is. It's amazing. <laughs> and then the fact that I was laughing about it, I was like, I think this is a sign that mentally I'm doing quite well because I was just like, lol, yeah. what the f? You've got um, a book in that. I know. Sure. Well, I've got a new show. I was like, because it literally did all connect back to just me eating some bad chicken. chicken. Bad chicken caused the like the campylobacter, which caused the fissure, which caused the abscess, which caused the fistula, which caused three emergency anal surgeries. And then you never had chicken again? Uh, no, I ordered <laughs> after my last surgery when they let, like, approved me to eat, I ordered chicken off the yeah, hospital because menu. The and is, Jacob was like, what's wrong with you? But, I commented in defence because I was like, but if it's going to, you've already had it happen once, lightning doesn't strike twice. Well, but then Campanello, I did whatever three surgeries, so who knows? I mean, true. I've got to check up next week in answer to your question. But your asshole so, is going well. Well, I hope so. I'm That's got to, nice. Can you do up. anal? Uh, well, no, I I don't do it by choice. Okay. Right, right. Um, but I've got to tell you, I have had more hands up my ass <laughs> in the last few months than I would ever like to have again. Like, <laughs> if you wanted to, you probably could. I, I, if she wanted to, she would. I mean, let me tell you, like, Caleb and I reached a new level in our relationship when I was in a bed in the emergency room facing him on my side, him holding my hand while I screamed in pain while a colorectal surgeon was, like, exploring my butthole. Oh, didn't they numb it? Which had a massive infected Assisted. Oh, God. Um, I'm clenching my. No, buttons. not really. Like they have to just, and then yeah, it's it was, and I was. Oh God, oh it was God. bad. Even when I'm doing anal, I need to be like on the ver- on the verge of coming before I, anything goes insertion. Yeah. So I can't imagine being the opposite of turned on. Yeah. With a with a with an abscess inside there in a hospital by a random doctor. Yeah, it's it you was know? it was a scene, guys. It was a whole scene. I do have a medical kink though, so maybe. 
It was a to-do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So asshole's going well. Second question is how are the petunias? Now you'll only <laughs> understand this if you're just just listening and we're not explaining it. How are the petunias going? <laughs> the petunias got left in Melbourne when we moved. Of so we're going to need to plant new ones in oh Sydney. Oh, my God, petunialists. I know we're petunialists <laughs> right now. Oh, my God, okay. If you listen to the podcast, go listen and catch up on the many the, the little uh, Easter eggs of the, yeah. the past three years about the petunias and you'll understand. And the third okay. big question what people want to ask you is how do you navigate being with Caleb uh, who yeah. is a uh, is on Sky News? Yeah, Caleb, uh, my boyfriend Caleb, we've been together for three years and he has up until recently been weekend chief of staff at the Herald Sun, but he um, just moved to a hosting role on Sky. And um, I guess that, the it surprises with the question. people. Yeah, yes. like he... He's certainly more conservative leaning than I am. That's that is true, fair to say. Mm. But also, he's not a crazy alt right wing nutter that I think a lot of people think. Like yeah. people, I think people have this idea about him that is quite disconnected from reality. Like he's, I say to like I've had fans of mine who are like, "How can you date him?" And I'm like, "But like you know what my core values are, and if I'm telling you that he matches those." then shouldn't that tell you what you need to know about his core mm. values? There are things we argue about, like certain things we argue about that I'm just like, you're a fucking idiot on this and he's, and I can't convince him and he can't like convince me. And or like nothing that's a, nothing that's of, a deal breaker for yeah, me. You like, know what I mean? Yeah. Like nothing that's a deal breaker for me. Like he, like, you know, for example, he, I think he's quite mainstream to be honest. I, I'd say he lands somewhere about like what, I don't know, a Ben Fordham is or something. Like he's just a bit. Yeah, totally. You know, like. I don't know what Ben Fordham's political ideology I mean, he's, I he's mourning. Yeah, he's mourning 2GB. He took yeah. over from Alan Jones. Like, oh. yeah. Like, but he's not, he's just kind of main. Like Caleb's just pretty mainstream the way he thinks about things. And I'm pretty extreme progressive left. left. Yeah. So I'm kind of the extreme one, to be honest. Like. Mm. Even I was surprised the other night on Sky they were talking about because uh, he's on a panel. It's called The Late Debate. And on the panel, like, uh, they were talking about uh, the Miss Universe pageant, which is owned by a trans woman now. Yes. And, um, like, one of the Sky people was, like, having a whinge. And Caleb was like, I have no problem calling a trans woman a woman. That's fine to me. Yeah. What really bothers me about... This is the unrealistic beauty standards that m allow these pageants to exist at all. How ridiculous and outdated. And I was like, what the hell? Thanks, babe. <laughs> yes. Um, what the hell? See, I don't know Caleb's <laughs> uh, ideologies at all. All I know is he likes petunias. <laughs> and he's he's, just, he sounds like a man from the 1950s. 1950s he does. Literally. I would say, like, he's conservative in that he's like Ron Swanson a bit. He was Parks and Recreation. <laughs> yeah. Like he kind of believes in small government. He doesn't want government to... Yeah, see, Lone gets it. I know, he Ron, doesn't yeah. want government to be involved in everybody's business. And that's where we kind of argue because I'm like, but do you not understand the concept of privilege? Like, he, mm. Caleb's very much like, everyone should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And I'm yeah. like, not everybody has bootstraps. Not yeah. everybody has boots. Yeah. Like, and so we argue about, like, that kind of thing. Like, it's... But he's not... Like, I wouldn't be with a bigoted person, a racist person, mm. an anti-queer person. Like, I wouldn't – all those kinds of things. And another thing we really argue about is that he he won't call himself a feminist mm. because he doesn't like the word. He thinks it's been yeah. co-opted by, like, 
more extreme, like it's kind of been co-opted by people who are more falling into misandry, whatever. Mm. And I'm like, that's so stupid because yeah. he is a feminist. Like yeah, he believes, like he he walks the walk, but he just doesn't like the word. And I'm like, so stupid that you won't use the word. Yeah. But like. There's just nothing performative about Caleb Lee. He, like, I've dated guys who wore, like, feminist T-shirt and then told me, like, oh, I think women who get C-sections aren't actually real women because, like, that's something, like, that's just an important rite of passage to be a woman. And I'm like... Like Caleb would it's like never, soft boy shit. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he's just yeah. he he's quite yeah, right. he's there's nothing performative about him and um and yeah, like I say, I just I wouldn't be with someone who didn't align with my core values, even if there are other things that we do debate on and argue on. So yeah, I mean, look, I don't know what Caleb's ideologies are, but there's your explanation, everyone. I do um, like also sometimes when I go to like right-leaning events, like just, you know, a, a dinner or something, I'm like, I'm going to secretly record everything. I'm a spy. <laughs> I'm a spy in here. I'm undercover. Yes. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, thanks for coming on. That was a really long podcast. I know. Oh, gosh. You can cut. I don't know. No, no it was all so much juice fucking in there. amazing. Thank you so much. You, thank you so much again for your podcast and, and being so open about everything and not – I guess not even about your struggles, more like I guess your struggles. Yeah. But like your in real time solutions that yeah. you found and what you're finding is helping and it's kind of like a little diary of, of how things are going and yeah. I really appreciate it oh. and all the things you do and you're amazing. So thank thanks. you so much. And thanks for filling in. That's all right. Anytime. Again, I will be a live audience at any point if you want one. If I've got some spare time, I'll pop down. Yeah, please. Pop down to level I'm not going to say which level they're on because top secret. Yeah. All right. I'll also <laughs> plug what the fuck. Oh, okay, uh, let's plug. I am the host of Just The Gist along with my co-host, Jacob Stanley. Just The Gist. Listen, um, I also have another podcast, Mum Says My Memoir Is A Lie. Yes. Uh, which is excellent. And, oh, one podcast of the year at the um, Acres. Oh, and, I don't know, just Google me. There's books and, and stuff. And you've also yeah, you've got, you've got the books. You've got the – there's <laughs> heaps of shit. Love it. Um, cool. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Oh, my God.